This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, Rabotai. Today, I thought it would be most appropriate to speak about uh, the um, Sukkot and particularly the Arbata Minim. Particularly about the Arbata Minim. Okay, the. Yeah, we'll focus on Arbat Aminim. We'll see if we have time at the end. We'll speak about different minagim on Yom Kippur. But I think mostly Arbat Aminim, it's a nice uh, time to speak about. And we'll start with the following. Everybody wants to know first what, ta- what type of etrog to buy. What type of etrog to buy. And what's the Masoret by Moroccan etrogim. I'm sorry. So... Hidrogim is a is a is a complicated subject. There are basically, we'll call it. There's dozens of types of hidrogim, but let's just break it down to some of the mo- more known ones. There's the Chazonish hidrogim. There's the Yanover, which Chabad uses from 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 the Greeks, Greek Italy area. I'm sorry, Calabria. It's called. Uh, there's the uh, there's the Teimani Etrog, there's the, uh, there's Etrogim that are different places in Israel, they have all types of names. The number one concern that people look for in an Etrog is before all of its characteristics is that it should be an Etrog. It should actually be not an Etrog and not like when you're buying a car, you don't want to buy a lemon. So you don't want to buy a lemon when you buy an etrog. Maybe they got that from the etrog. I don't know. And and the and the the masoret of the etrogim is something that is very hard to know because now how are you going to know if it's murkav or not? You could tell if in that generation, that tree's generation, or maybe beforehand it was murkav, but not a little bit beforehand. So you really have to have some type of trust basis, and especially they have. Oh, here we have uh, our guests. Uh, oh, very nice. Come, grab This is our Chazana Bakashot. This is the Ashur Shilanu Great Neck. Uh, you remember Chai? You know Chai? Yeah, <laughs> Okay, now we can start. Now we can start. Now we can start. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so here we are. We're uh, we're discussing the Mesorit of Moroccan etrogim, and what etrogim are the uh, are the proper etrogim to take. So the number one thing that we determine is you have to take an etrog. Before anything else, it has to be an etrog. So an etrog usually is based 
upon the tradition. You, there's a tree type called the Choshchush tree, which strengthens the Yitrog. And it's a big Yitzhahara by people who grow Yitrogim to use that, especially because they base themselves that you're allowed because it's not really another fruit tree, all types of Yitrogim that they'll justify. And on the market, there are Yitrogim that are like that. Believe it or not. The Chazonish, when he was, uh, he was walking in Sfat, he identified certain Etrogim. He says, these are Etrogim trees that are 100%. How he knew is a mystery, but he knew. And his Talmidim took and planted. There's Lepkevich. There's all types of Talmidim that took those seeds. And that's called the Chazonish Etrog. Now, by the Chazanich Etrog, you're going to some of them that have the Pitam, some of them that don't have the Pitam. And we're going to discuss the Pitam in a moment before we get to that. The Yanavur Calabria Chabad uses. The Moroccan Etrog is in the area of Hevel Sus, which is Tarudant. Where is exactly Tarudant? Next to Marrakesh. Outside right? of Agadir. Outside of uh, Next to Agadir. And, uh, and next to Agadir, it, it, it grows wild. It was growing wild, and that was the main chazaka of the Etrogim, because they grew wild. So here, you have very, um, very, very based testimonies from, from the Etrogim, and we'll see what the questions on it are, and what the, um, and what the actual din is. Number one is like this, is that the Sefer Shirotu Chuvod Yishrelev, from Rav Chaim David Chazan, he was a Rishon Netzion, and this sefer was printed in Tavshid Lametet in Izmir. He writes from three of the Chachmim uh, Ma'arav that lived in Yerushalayim from the year Tafresh Chavdalid. It's a while ago. Who write uh, who, who write about this Moroccan Etrog? Not only that, the Aruch Laner. It goes as far back as the Aruch Laner. In his, he has a very famous, uh, uh, important sefer on uh, on the Arbata Minim in the back, and there, there he he brings Heviuli Etrog Me Hashana Yerachlaner Tosefet Bichurim the Simantafresh Bemei Bishana Zot Kibati Etrog Mi Morocco Yafe Umehudar Bechol Mi Neichsher Asher Adain Lo Raiti Kamo. It has the look of an Etrog. It has it's it's beautiful. It's healthy. It, it has the look of Mareha Etrog. And, and the, uh, I recently, I just saw today something that it's a letter printed. It's not printed in any sefer. But it's a letter printed from the son of Rav Shlomo Kluger, who was asked about different Etrogim. And he said, the Moroccan Etrog, I know uh, from testimony that it's, that it's, uh, it's Mehudar and we have been using it. Um... Rabbi Machluf Abu Chatzera, Av Bedin in Marrakesh. He was, uh, he was, uh, he was a, a grandson of Rabbi Yaakov Abu Chatzera from another, uh, not from another son. Not, he was cousins with Baba Sali. So he writes in Shirotu Chivod Yefesha Siben Mem Dalid that this was the Minhag Avotenu Midor Dor. And he says this was, this was the absolute, this, this was the absolute Minhag. Uh, it's known by the Ashkenazi Rabbanim, the Rav, Rav um, the Briskorov would get an etrog every year. Actually, Rav Aaron Montsenego used to bring in an etrog, and and he would use it. It's not clear if that was the one who made the bracha on. He had a lot of different etrogim, but Rabbi Yashiv, it's known, made a bracha on that etrog. Rabbi Yashiv would make a bracha on the Moroccan etrog. There was as well the um, the the. 
רב קניאבסקי. שאלות ותשובות, תשובות והנהגות חלק א', סימן שפ"א, brings that the brisk rub was יוצא with the rock in it rog, הלל with it. That's what he writes. So, the question is like this. There was a kuntris that came out a while ago that, that had, a, uh, had, a, had questions on the Moroccan Etrog, which is like this. If you open up the Moroccan Etrog, you can't find seeds. And the, if you open up the Mishtabura, the Mishtabura says that, that, that there are three simanim to the Etrog, right? From the, and he brings from the Chuvot Marami Padva. Number one is that it should be, it should, be, um, it should have... It should have bumps, which they have. Number two is that the okets and the pitam, on the bottom and the top, should be shavish, should be more or less aligned. And number three is that the seeds should be to uh, uh, horizontal, not vertical. Now, the problem is, is that the seeds are not found in Moroccan Etrogim. That's where people had a, had a question. Now, now... The question is like this. It's not, these simanim are not written anywhere in Shas. What's written in Shas is in the Gemara Masechet Sukkah that, 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 that writes that basically Ezehu Etrog, Pri Etz Hadar, Hainu Daflamidei, Hainu Etzo Piryo Shavesh, Yedar Be'ilan Mishana Lishana. The Maram Ben Khabib explains, what does that mean, Etzo Piryo Shavesh? That means that in Etz, it's his, it's his bark. And an itrog, it mostly has rind, so that's its bark. That's itsovipir yoshave. And it's darbe ilan mishana lishana, and the Ridva writes the following. There's a, the Ridva, the Meiri, they explain something very important. They say, the Gemara is not coming to say that, that this is an itrog, something that is itsovipir yoshave. Says the Ridva. That is known from tradition. That's not a question. Rather, it's coming to tell us a hint from the Pasuk Etz Hadar that that's Ainu Etrog. You want to know Asmach. And the Birsha Mishnayotu, the Rambam says as well, Etrog means that it's Nimsar from generation to generation. It's something that has a Masoret. And these Etrogim, they have been used for generations upon generations. Abadel Rabbi Mazuz from Tunisia, from, from, from Jerba, they had Etrogim in Tunisia. And, and his father, it's written, and he himself would not use anything but a Moroccan etrog because they felt that that was the etrog that, um, that, that, uh, that, that they knew had a long tradition on. Baba Sali was vehemently, um, uh, um, he was vehement to use only a Moroccan etrog. One year they brought him from Eretz Yisrael, and obviously people say there's an Inyan of Eretz Yisrael, but he refused. He says, number one, he has to find a Moroccan etrog because that's the tradition that we have, Midore Dorot. So to say that a Moroccan has a Minhag Dafka to have a Moroccan etrog, you can't really say that because they used it because it was there. It's not that they had the Chazanish and then they had the, the Moroccan. So, and, and there's a... That's what there was. Now, is there a strong Masoret? There's a very strong Masoret. But uh, a Moroccan doesn't have an... Ob, I don't think, at least, doesn't have an obligation to take a Moroccan Etrog more than an Ashkenazi. Or an Ashkenazi doesn't have an obligation to take a Chazanish more than a Moroccan. You have to take an Etrog Kasher. You have to take an Etrog Kasher. Moroccan Etrog happens to have a very important Yichus. 
Chazanish also has a strong yichus. And uh, and each one, yeah. Now the Taimani, I have never understood really what the what the what the what the big thing about Taimani. I know Rav Avad Yosef advocates. Although Rav Avad Yosef and Chazan Avad writes the uh, about the great Maalot you have in the Moroccan etrog. Whatever the minhag is you have, right, it goes as personal authority that they were going by. Right? What's the difference between the Timani Itchog and the Moroccan Itchog? Maybe different shapes? Oh, so here, so I want to say one thing that's different between the Moroccan and the Timani Itchog. The Rosh writes, the Rosh writes, Itrog She'en Alaf Pitam is Pasul. An Itrog that doesn't have a Pitam is Pasul. So, this is going to be something that flies in the face of many Yitrogim, the people have Yitrogim that don't have a Pitam, correct? So, there's different ways that explain the Rosh. The, the, uh, the way the Rebbe Yashiv explains it is that if a Pitam falls on the tree, right, the Pitam starts growing, it's the first thing that, that, that grows out of the tree, right? That little bud that comes out, that's the Pitam. If the pitam is going to fall within the time period before the pre is called chayav v'ma'asir, which is shlish gidulo, which is a third of its growth, then it's considered that the etrog is fine because that's derech gidulo. It doesn't have to have a pitam. And that's why an etrog that you see on the market that doesn't have a pitam, usually it fell off before Shlish Gidulo. However, it's not always sure. Many other poskim say as long as it fell off while it was on the tree, it's fine. And when I was learning uh, by by the Gedule Yerushalayim how to tell what type of pitam, what type of etrog that doesn't have a pitam, when it fell, so they had from one of the great Bekiyam, Ramoshael Rezichron Livracha, he would always say that you have to have like a little ring that's indented to know that it's an etrog that doesn't have a pitam from the beginning. But Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg, and if I'm not mistaken, Rav, Rav Bronsdorf, but I have to double check, they learned the Rosh Kepshuto. An etrog that doesn't have a pitam is not called an etrog. And there's definitely a hedor of taking an etrog with a pitam. No question about it. So if I have two etrogim with a masoret, one of them has a pitam, one doesn't have a pitam, of course, I'm going to take one with a pitam. No question about it. Okay, so that's about that's. There's. I, I don't know how much more. You know, I can tell you about different names, about peoples and stories who took a Moroccan etrog. But I just wanted to give you the um, the yesod and the and the uh, and the. You know, there's that Rav David Ovadia Zichron Olivracha from Sofro. I was actually I used to I used to be quite close to him. He has a long letter, and and he writes. That the little dots that are in the etrog, if you open up, there's little these brown dots that are, if you slice it open, says those are the beginning of garinim, and that's enough. And he said on top of that, there's sometimes fruits that some of them have garinim and have them don't. Like let's say you have you have you have grapes. Some grapes have seeds. Some grapes are seedless. So some etrogim are seedless, some etrogim are not seedless, but it's called it's called tamidyesh, right? That's so so that's 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 the um, you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to be machria that that's considered a a uh, 
that that's considered a uh, a uh, a, uh, a, a, a deciding factor. The main thing is that you come down to the Gemara and the, the, what, the way the Perish Mishnah Rambam says, the way the Ritva says, it's totally if it has a Masoret or not. Okay. Um, next. Next. There's a... Okay, so we get, we did Etrogim. Oh. Regarding the Lulav. Regarding the Lulav. The minhag in Morocco, and here there's a there's a strong minhag, is to take a lulav with a kara. Is to take a lulav that has that is closed till the top, that has that is that is basically is has has the red bark on it. That has the red bark on it. That is the that is the minhag, and this minhag is written in the Sdechemed. In Asifa Dinim Marechet Arbat Minim Siman Gimel Ot Aleph, and the Bet Yosef brings this down. The Bet Yosef says Naagula Kachat Im Kara. Now, the what? Can't hear you. What? You know what? The, the audio is not so good. You're going to have to type in the questions. Okay, afterwards. So, so the 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 issue is like this. I I you know let me tell you how, how it was by me growing up with Arbata Minim. I I was zochet to to live in Yerushalayim for uh, a good ten years, a little less than ten years. Yeah, ten years. And I had the zikhut of knowing really the big poskim in in uh, in Yerushalayim. And thanks to my wife, I was able from Tzom Gedalia till Sukkot to sit by these Gedole Rabbanim. And they would have thousands of people coming to them, asking them about Arbat Aminim. I moved here in L.A. I said, you know what, we'll set up shop on Beverly Glen and uh, Santa Monica. I'm going to sit. Nobody asks any questions. Nobody... <laughs> I went to, I said, okay, no, nobody asked questions, fine. I went to Rabbi Bess, he said, eh, once in a while they came, he's the big post in LA, eh, once in a while they come, they ask questions. So nobody really cares over here. They order and they get their etrog and lula from shul and that's it. So it was a little bit of a culture shock for, for me to get used to it. But uh, either way, I, uh, I, I, I was used in Yerushalayim of people spending hours on a lulav. They would take the lulav and they would open it and, and you look with a glass. Now what are you looking for with the lulav? There are three things that you're looking for. The ikar. Number one is the tiyomet. The machloket shulchan and ramah if nechlika hatiyomet in the middle is the middle leaf or all the leaves. The Mishnah says nechlika hatiyomet pasul. So the shulchan says it's most alim have to be closed which you'll always have. The Ramah said, unless it's like a really uh, um, dysfunctional lulav, the middle leaf has to be closed. The, the, the Ramah writes, Nechagat is the middle leaf from the spine. Sometimes you'll have two, most of the time you have one, you look at it, it has to be closed on top. That's a mehudar lulav. And then there's a whole chachma to know what's called, what's called closed and what's, what's, called, what's called a little bit open. And if it's too open... You can sometimes glue it together according to some post scheme. 
that's the that's the that's the uh, that's the Ramaz opinion. Now, one way to be miyashiv why we took the kara is because even though nechlekat yomet could be found, but we're not choshesh because even if it is found, it's the middle leaf, but most leaves are closed. That is. That is the that is the you know what you would think why Sfaradim and especially Moroccans have I mean, to think something that is closed with the Kara. Nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, I found once in a sefer Hazikaron brought in the name of Rabbenzion Abasho uh, that if the Tiyomet in the middle is split and it's open. Even though the rest of the leaves are closed, safek brachot le'akel, you can't make a bracha because the Rama says it's pasul. And you can question this, Rebbe Tzir because you don't say a safek brachot le'akel on a mitzvah, you only say it on a bracha. But let's say the mitzvah has a safek, so then you say safek. So who says that just because they're going to safek brachot le'akel? Safek mitzvah le'akel. We don't say that. Either way, that's what Rebbe Tzir says. And based on this, if you're going to go to the Bethsaida Bashol, you have to be worried. And why should you take something with the Kara? Number two, the second thing that you should be concerned with is is uh, Nitla. In other words, if it was um, if it was um, if it was um, uh, chopped on top, if the if the Niktam Rosho on top. Thank you. Niktam Rosho. Now, Niktam Rosho could be a big problem. A lot of times you have Lulavim, especially the Egyptian non-dairy ones, that they come out, and or even the California and Arizona ones, they come out very, very, very thin. And the California ones, and they, and and they, and and it's like almost like a like a, a brown spike. And any club that you're gonna have on it is already gonna is gonna be a Niktam Rosho, and that even according to Shulchan Aruch is a problem. So that kara solves because if you have a kara on top, you know it's not niktam rosho. That's a ma'ala. But then you have a third thing called called a himnik. If it was opened, kehimnik. What does kehimnik mean? Here you have two explanations. Some rishonim say himnik is mamish like a V, like a pitchfork. That means the middle leaf. If it's opened kehimnik, it's basul. There's a levushe srad that Rabbi Yashiv was concerned for the Levushe Srad, that Himnik means that if it's open just a little bit, like this, not Nechleka, which is just split, but it's just a little bit more open, that's called Kehimnik, and that's Pasul. And that, even the Shulchan Aruch is going to say that middle leaf is Pasul. And if you're going to, and that could be Matsui, even according to the Shulchan Aruch. So that might be a reason to take something that's not a Kara. Number one, Rav Benzina Bashol is choshish for the Ramah that if it's Nechlekak Yomet, it's Basul. And number two, it might be a Himnik and it's Basul. I was actually discussing this week with the Rosh Kol in Montreal, Rav Yehuda Badush, who's actually a nephew of the speaker that we're going to have in around 15 minutes. His name is Rabbi Burstein from Los Angeles, from Basiak of Los Angeles. She's married to the niece of Rabbi Burstein, actually. And he was telling me. He learned in Brisk, and he was—he's very, very machbir on all of the different chumrot that you have in Arba Binim. And he said that his father, his father of Avram Badush Zichron Livracha, was really the pioneer builder in Mexico. If you have all the kolalim in Mexico, really started from him, Rav Avram Badush. 
Avram Badish, just to tell you, was a bacher in Morocco. And Rav Zedel Semetsky, who was the Chavruta of Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, was Mechalel Shabbat to save him because he knew that the secular Zionists were going to take him and ship him to, to some kibbutz. So on Shabbat, he was Mechalel Shabbat and he saved Rav Avram Badush and he sent him to England to learn. And because of that, we have Mexico. It's just, just, to, just to give you a perspective. So uh, Rav Avram, he, told, he said that his father would always insist that they had a kara and he never really lessened, listened. He said, what? Kara? Why? Everybody opens. But he said, you see the Bet Yosef says kara. You see that that was our minhag. Obviously, we take upon when the kara is closed, there's a chazaka. And he was telling me it's even more than a chazaka. It's not, it's, it's mamaj mich she'enu matsui. First of all, it must be that in Morocco, we weren't choshesh for the lubush that the hymnic is a little bit. It has to be a much wider something to be called a hymnic. And number two, nechlekat yomet. Maran says it's not, uh, it's not the middle leaf. To be choshesh for the Ramah, that it's nechlekat yomet till the middle, you know, it has to be roasted to the yomet to be pasul. Otherwise, it's just a chashash. It might open. We weren't choshesh for that when it's a kara. So the minhag is to take a kara. Number two is that there's a very famous minhag uh, in, in, in Morocco, in any, in any Moroccan synagogue you go to, is that the way that they tied the lulav was with beautiful strings made out of gold, made out of, uh, of, of, of red. And this it takes a little bit of courage, you know, if you're going in a mainstream Ashkenazi minion to walk with a pom-pom on your lulav, you know, you got to have guts. you got to have guts. So I remember... I remember I was I was uh, I was very close uh, in Eretz Yisrael. One of my rebbeim in halacha, his name is Rav Yitzchak Mordechai Cohen Rubin. He wrote Rub, maybe related to your Rosh Hashiva. He wrote the Sefer Orchot Shabbat. Very Mari Cohen, very popular svarim. He grew up in I think it's called Kiryat Gat, a place that hardly any. His father had the company Menorah that makes all of those yurtzeit candles. That's his father. And he, he grew up like that, and he used to always talk about how the Moroccan Jews, where he came from, had all these beautiful itrogim. Somebody told me recently, they, 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 they came up to, the, to someone and they, they commented, how, how is it that you have, how you have such lulavim? So it's kind of embarrassing for somebody to ask such a question, because, it, it, because it, it's, the Gemara says it, right? The Gemara says that people would go out with lulavim that were uh, 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 lulavim, that that were uh, that were um, that were all decorated, and uh, and 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 th- that's how they would go out. In other words, it was a, a minute from the time of the Gemara already, and it's a beautiful hidur mitzvah. Now you're going to ask me, it's a chatzitza. So here, number one, is is the following. There are some. Rav David Ovadia writes in Nagua Am Odzain that they would only wrap the lulav up to the place of the hadasim. That way there was no chatzitza holding. But even if it was till the end, there's an argument to say that it's for beauty. But to say that the lulavim are ad uh, 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 you know, uh, you know uh, t- t- in other words, there's no reason really to do till the end. Why get into kolin na'oto enochotzetz? Rav Avram Amar, who wrote a, who, who was Nifter last week, Zichrono Livracha, Rav Avram Amar was the Rosh Hashiva Or Baruch, and around 18 years ago, I had the Zichut of sitting with him, and going through the whole Sefer Magen Avot, he wrote a very important kuntras to the Sefer Magen Avot, 
and and he um, he was a very big Bucky and Minagim. He was originally from the city of Meknes. His father was a big posek there. His father used to be the Chavrut of Yitzchak Sabag, who was the Rebbe Rabbi Shalom Misas. He once asked his father, how many times did him and, and Rabbi Yitzchak Sabag finish Shas together, Be'iyun? He says, we forgot, we, fi- we stopped counting. That was the answer. We stopped counting. Yeah. So, so he writes in the, in the back of... Um, back of, 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 of Magen Avot that his father didn't make all these fancy strings rather he would make the regular uh, the regular rings that are made from the Rulav itself and he, he was Choshesh that wherever the Hadassim and Aravot are there could be a Chatzitza so he was concerned for chatzitza, and therefore he says that that it's written in the book that I wrote that some did till the end and kol That's not good. It has to stop earlier. That that that's what was uh, that's what his ara was. Okay, what else? We went through etrog lulav aravot. There's nothing really to speak about. Hadassim, Hadassim, also uh, no no particular minhagin Hadassim. Just one thing to mention is that. Yeah, the Rambam says there's no baltosif with Hadassim, and therefore you know Chabad also they take a lot of Hadassim. Yeah, there's no baltosif, so they feel. They feel like it's a hidr mitzvah. Rabbi Machlufa Buchatzer and Siman Mem Gibel brings from his uncle, Rabbi Yitzchak Abuchatzerah, who was niftar in Tulal. Yeah. Rabbi Yitzchak, no, no. He says he, they had that tradition that when he couldn't find Hadassim Kshirim, he used to take one bad and... And he would take one bud of that had a branch that each one had three coming out of it, and if he had no choice, that's what he took. Because there were some some that that came out that way. There's a Rashi and Daflamid Bet Abudbet that that's how that that's how they, they, he found it as well. But obviously, I don't think he made a brach on it. So sometimes people were stuck with Hadassim. You know, uh, the Rama writes about when, you know, if you don't have a choice to take Hadass Shote, whether it will be allowed or not. <clears throat> but I think most places they did have uh, proper Hadassim. So that's more or less the questions. You know, I'll, I'll leave you off with a few minutes remaining regarding uh, regarding the Kriyot Vishtachavayot, which is actually a tshuva that I wrote to Avi Azarwal last year. I don't remember what I, 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 I was asked by somebody this year. I was asked by... By a very chash of a Jew in our community, his name is Tzvika Reisman. He writes a lot of svarim, and he he asked. He, he said he gave a shear whether women bow down during the sedera uh, avodav Yom Kippur. Yeah, 
whenever they say Hashem Kishay Yushem Shubim Shem Amefura Shil Korim Umishtachavim Venovdim El Venovdim Baruch Shem Kivod Baruch Hu Dole Olam Vaed. The answer is that even the men don't bow down. Ah, he's he's. Wait, wait, wait! I get to see. So what? I'll tell you the story. So he asked me whether women are obligated in what uh, women should should bow down also. So I told them not only that in Morocco, they, the, even the men didn't bow down. Now, where do you get this from? There's a Ramah that talks about I gave a shear on this. You could find it on in Torah anytime. I think they posted it already. That the Ramah writes, based on the Ravya, that when 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 the Shema Mefurash, when Chunya ben Akane uh, uh, said over the Shema Mefurash, everyone got bowed down on the floor and they uh, and they prostrated themselves. He says, this is the Makor, Zecher Lazeh, when we hear from the Shaliyah Tzibur, Vechola Am, Korim, they all they all bow down. So the Ramah brings this down, and it seems to be there's no cholek that you should bow down. There's a sefer Kafnaki from Rav Khalifa ben Malka, lived next to the city of Agadir. He is buried in Agadir, same, actually. Same region as the Etrogim. Yeah, same region as the Etrogim, and and the Chida writes on him great things. Sefer Kafnaki. He writes that. Since the Bet Yosef wasn't like fully into this Ishtachavayot and he didn't bring in a Shulchan Aruch, you don't really have to do Ishtachavayot. You could just go till the floor as much as possible. It says, and this is the Minhag Yisrael Torah. Says, this is the Minhag. Very surprising. But this is what he writes. Now, the Rivash, he quotes a Rivash. The Rivash is talking about whether the Shalich Tzibur does it or not because he's going to have to move. So the Rivash says, who says that you're allowed to move in the middle of Shimon Esri just because of these Kriyot? And he says, plus, the Kriyot that uh, this Rabbi Avram Ankawa brings in Chelek Bet of Kerem Chemer Siman Yud Aleph, plus the Kriyot that the that the that the Shaliach Tzibur does, he's the Dugma Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol, when he said Shema Meforash, he didn't bow down. The Am bowed down. He didn't bow down. So Shaliach Tzibur is Dugmato. So the Kerem Chemer says the Shaliach Tzibur doesn't bow, but everybody else bows. But the Kafnaki understood that nobody bows. The Kerem Chemer says, I don't know where he got that from. The Revash is only talking about the Shliach Tzibur. Either way, Rav Avram Amar writes in Magen Avot that he remembers in Meknes, they didn't bow. And Rav Meir Atiyah writes in a says, Yichon Levracha writes in Mishluchan Avotenu, that he does, he says one or two Chachamim would bow. Personally, I grew up in Montreal, everyone bowed. Everyone bowed. Everyone went on the floor. Uh, we have a few uh, people in our synagogue that they said that they remember in Tangier they didn't bow. Remember, Chai Korkos tells me that. Uh, he says that they did bow, but not the Shuliach Tzibur. That, that, that they did bow, not the Shuliach Tzibur. So you have different minhagim, but there's definitely a minhag that people didn't bow. Brought all from the Kafnaki. So I said, for ladies, there's a Shilatuchvot Betavi who says it's not Sniut for ladies to bow. It's the love urachar. It's not sniut, and and uh, and speak abroad from Rav, Yose, Rav, Rav Soloveitchik that he said another pshat why women don't shouldn't bow. He says because the bowing is dugmat to the Bet Hamikdash, and in the Bet Hamikdash they was only bowing in the Bet Knesset. and I'm sorry in the Azara. So the Bet Knesset is like the Azara, but the Ezrat Nashim. It's not part of the Bet HaMikdash, not part of the Azara. So the Ezat Nashim, it, where ladies are, they shouldn't bow. Based on this, 
Reversal Schechter from, uh, from, from Yeshiva University says that last year on the Corona Minyanim, where everybody was praying in the parking lot, it's not a shul, people don't have to bow either. So either way, this is, uh, this is what, uh, uh, what, 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 uh, what some say regarding ladies bowing, but like by, by the rocket meeting, I think it's pushed that ladies shouldn't bow because it's not sinewed. I don't think we've ever seen it. They could they could be mishtachavich like in Shmuna Yisrei, but till the floor mapitom. Now regarding somebody who doesn't know his minhag, I think I mentioned this call for Rebbe Yashiv a few times that when you don't know your minhag, you're somechan ikaradin. When you don't know your minhag, you're somechan ikaradin. And ikaradin is not is 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 to bow. That's what the Rama says. I mean, the status quo is that to bow. Rakaf Daki, notwithstanding, says the Minag is not to bow, but Kerem Chemer says not that way. And there was those who did, and there was those who didn't, so it wasn't clear. So regarding bowing, there's definitely Minag. So I was about to write this up this year, and I said, wait, I remember vaguely about this. And I looked at my writings, and last year I wrote you a tshuva on this. Last year I wrote this all up, and I picked you as the korban that I should write it to. So that is uh, that, that is more or less... The one he'ara on Yom Kippurim. Good. Any questions? Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.